can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Uh, Firstly, obviously we have to address the elephant in the room. Pete and Kim, done. I can't tell you how many DMs I had from people (gasps) the morning that it was announced. And I was sending them to you going, oh my God, what is going on? Because he was just on that show saying that he wanted kids. And I think maybe that was the reason is that maybe she's gone, hang on a sec, I'm not going to have any more kids, that's what you want, this was really fun, except we want different things in the long term because he is significantly younger than her. I think he's my age. I think he's 29 or 28. He's 28. He's younger than you. And she's 42, 41. Uh, 41. But I've loved all the day. I've been reading all the Daily Mail updates. The first Daily Mail article was she had gone to visit Pete in Cairns yes. and was very upset by all of the cars that were available. I she heard like that, yeah. A, a Kia, not <laughs> yeah. happy. And someone messaged me and said, I'm actually really offended. I have that car and it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but the latest in Cairns is that Pete Davidson was spotted at uh, Target looking downcast. As he would if you'd just broken up with Kimmy K. It's so weird that he's in Cairns at the moment. It is. Over the break it's up. really rogue. I mean, there's probably not many other places you'd want to be. It is a tropical paradise up there. I reckon he'll start. Uh, there was Celeb Belcheck had said, like, he'll be dating Emrata. Yes. Um, you sent me totally. that. You sent me yeah. that. But I actually think he might start dating some, like, Gold Coast influencer or ex-reality from Australia since he is based he in Cairns. Yes. I reckon that's going to happen. That's my prediction. I wonder how long he's going to be here for because he's definitely going to get an Australian girlfriend if he's here for a while, for sure. Yeah, this is going to be Zac Efron part two. Yes. Move to Byron Bay. Yeah. Maybe we should consider breaking up with our boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that I'm not Pete Davidson's biggest fan. I do like <laughs> him, but, like, I wouldn't. Look, I'm not going to move to Cairns. Oh, look, Hannah, he'd get your name tattooed on him in the first three months. I think you'd be into That's it. That's the other thing I want to talk about. Okay, so he got her, there's like memes going around, that he got her kids' names tattooed for nothing. Well, I mean, I probably would have let it go on for longer than nine months before getting someone else's kids' names tattooed on me. But surely he's just going to get that covered, surely. Well, he can't get the branding covered. The branding's... Oh, he could have some skin needling. Branding. You reckon? Scar revision. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> have to get it all cut out and stitched up. I think he should probably start looking into it. But he does have a lot of other ex-partners' names tattooed on him. Yeah. So it's not really that much of a grand gesture if you've done it 35 times previously. Yeah. I felt like that was a bit of a red flag. A little bit. To be honest. But I was rooting for them. Yeah, same. I was really into it, but oh well. All good things must come to an end, right? Anyway, what is on today's episode, Joe? So on today's episode, we are talking styes with Dr. Lucinda. I don't know if you've ever heard the old wives' tale rub a gold ring on a sty, but I want to find out if that's true. And then we are talking about where to start when looking for a dermal therapist and, of course, our products we didn't know we needed. Dr. Lucinda joins us again. Welcome back. You've been overseas for a while. You're back in Sydney. 
Yeah, hi. It's lovely to be back again in sunny Sydney, actually. So mm. I, was, I was quite happy to see a bit of sunshine here. So I mentioned in our intro that I'd heard this old wives' tale about rubbing a gold ring on a sty, and I did this as a kid, <laughs> and it worked for me. Nice. So we're, today we're going to be talking about styes. So let's start off with what actually is a sty and why do we get them? Absolutely brilliant. So with styes, it's a really common thing that we see in general practice. As GPs or doctors, we have a very fancy word for them called hordeolums, hmm. uh, which is basically Latin for a barley grain because the glands that are affected in styes look very similar huh. to barley grains. So it's just a bit of fun nerdy knowledge <laughs> out there. But we've basically got two types of styes. You've got your classical sty, which is called the external hordeolum or external sty. And that's where you've got an infection or inflammation at the base of the hair follicle, which leads to like a red painful lamp usually with like a pus spot as well and that's basically in a gland of zeiss uh, that's been infected or inflamed and that produces an oily substance that helps protect the eye and then you've got your internal sty or internal hordeolum and that's where you basically turn the eyelid inside out and you can see the lump there Ooh. sort of red painful lump there ow that would hurt yes, both are sore and that's a different gland that gets blocked there like the mebomia gland which basically also produces oil to help with your tear film uh, coating ah okay yeah. so that's they're both caused basically by like a bacterial infection so normally something called Staphylococcus aureus, which is the most common bacteria that lives on the surface of our skin. And sometimes this bacteria manages to find its way into these glands, maybe along with some dead skin cells from the base of the eyelash. Uh, and then that's what causes it to then overgrow and then uh, get infected and inflamed and block the glands. Do you see styes a lot more in people that have lash extensions out of interest? Do you know what? I definitely don't work normally in the area where we've got patients having a lot of okay. lash extensions. <laughs> so maybe in my new practice, I might be seeing a bit more of that. Yeah. Okay. okay. But that would definitely be an increased risk. Is that something that you've heard about happening more commonly? Yeah. I just feel like, and also I just have a vibe that you would be introducing yeah. a lot more bacteria to the Very area. Very medical. I have a vibe. I've got a vibe about it. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> I love it. No, it's it's common sense though, really, if you you know, if you think about it. If you've you're dealing with or meddling with anything to do with your eyelids, eyelashes, and then yeah, it can totally increase the risk of, of getting styes, as it were. How would you know if you had a sty versus some other eye condition? Very good question. So with styes, you normally have a lump, basically, isn't it? So that's your, your number one main thing. And they're normally painful, tender. So if you haven't got a lump, then you're looking at any kind of like either eyelid condition or eye condition itself. Or if there is a lump, but it's not painful, and that's not on the eyeball itself, but on the eyelid, it's normally something called a chalazion, which is a blocked internal sty kind of situation, a blocked um, meibomian gland from chronic inflammation, which might have occurred after, for example, you having a sty and a bit of the material still got stuck in there and just got sort of blocked. Or if you've got sort of some skin conditions that can affect your face sort of around the eye area, so that be it sort of seborrheic dermatitis, acne rosacea, or blepharitis, which is where people get sort of chronic inflammation at the base of the hair follicles, and it leads to a bit of redness, maybe dandruff off your, your hair eyelashes, basically. 
And how should you treat a sty? And I, I want to ask you if squeezing is a no-no. I know you're going to say no to that, but <laughs> I reckon it was probably 2020. I got stuck on sty TikTok and there was this girl that got a huge sty and she was squeezing it. Oh, God. From memory, I think she was a flight attendant and she ended up with this sty and she had lash extensions on. Maybe that's why I had the vibe about it being more bacterial, oh. but she was squeezing it. It was the hugest sty I've ever seen. And she was just like like squeezing it out on TikTok. It was so satisfying but so disgusting. Oh, my word. And it was huge. So how do you actually treat it? Like is, are you meant to squeeze them or like what do you do? I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally got palpitations here in that story. Like that's like, okay, look, for your own self, don't squeeze it. Like if anyone's going to to pop it, it's going to be the doctor, okay? Yeah. The reason behind against squeezing it is that you're more likely to cause a worse off infection for the infection to either spread deeper down into the gland or for you to get a condition called cellulitis, which can be very serious. And that sort of swelling and redness of the eyelid itself, which can, worst case scenario, lead into the eye itself. So, you know, I would definitely avoid squeezing those pimples. And instead, best thing to do once you notice it coming on is to make sure that you keep the area of the eye completely clean. No makeup, no contact lenses. Get some baby shampoo and just sort of gently sort of wash over the eye itself. And then the best thing you can do is getting your warm, hot compresses and doing that regularly four times a day. And by that, I mean get flannel, put it under some hot, warm water, lay it over your closed, clean eyelid and do that for 15 minutes. And once Mm -hmm. you notice it cooling down, just redo it again and put it back on because that basically helps drain the blocked gland, uh, which helps to get rid of the infection that's there. Okay. Good tip. And normally patients do notice maybe a difference within one to three days of doing that. Yeah. So just see how that goes. But I always say that if, if you're very worried about it, you just go and see someone. But otherwise, if you've tried that and there's no difference at all after three days or if it's getting worse and you're noticing spreading redness and swelling, absolutely go and see your GP then at that point. And then they might sort of consider either antibiotic drops or antibiotics, you know, taking the hair follicle out of that pus spot area or sort of incising it and oh. draining it. <laughs> usually like simpler techniques (laughs) um uh, sort of sort of treat that area there so the gold ring isn't a proven treatment sounds very (laughs) unhygienic like it's interesting because some metals like isn't it silver and gold are actually sterile so that's why you get sort of silver plated or gold plated yeah yeah colloidal silver yeah so I guess if you had like a you know back in the olden days didn't that I don't, I don't even know, like, but it was somehow a sterile thing, I guess. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that now. We've got, we've got lovely things now these days. We've got modern medicine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got clean, warm water, mm-hmm. which is, which is mm-hmm. very good. So you mentioned that it should sort of improve after three days. So how long would it actually, would a sty hang around for? So you could be looking at one to two weeks here, really. What if you have a big event, Dr. Lucinda? What if it's your wedding? Uh, Yeah. Can you get rid of it quicker? 
we do recommend gold standard of just doing still the warm compresses and do that regardless. If it is an absolute emergency situation, your doctor mm-hmm. might then prescribe antibiotics earlier than they would have. We're very strict now with antibiotics for good reasons now. We, we used to give them all over the shop back in the day. Mm, and some doctors still do, actually. Um, mm. But the thing is, is that we, we, we tend to sort of be a lot more careful and prescribe it really when it's properly needed rather than just like, ah, yeah, just have it because it can have an impact on our gut sort of um, microflora and, and also on resistance. But like, you know, they might very well give you a prescription for some oral, some antibiotic drops if you've got an urgent uh, situation going on there. Will the antibiotic drops clear it up? Antibiotic or antibiotics would definitely clear up quicker, I think. So it really depends on the presentation and how it's looking as to what the doctor tends to choose. Mm. And so it really depends on the situation. (laughs) So what if it hasn't gone away and you like, you can't put makeup on it? You really shouldn't. You really, really shouldn't. Look, you you can risk it for a biscuit and you can, you know, you can put stuff on there, but you're giving yourself an increased risk of the infection getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for example, you know, going back to makeup and stuff like that, making sure that you're not using old makeup and you're not sharing makeup like eye makeup and stuff, or if you are, you're at least cleaning it properly. So those are things that are really important to look out for. And also making sure that your contact lenses are disinfected. Like these are all things to help prevent or reduce your risk of getting styes there. Because the swelling is pretty hectic. Like I've seen some styes that you can't, you're not going to cover that with makeup. Like it's impeding your vision. So for things like that, so swelling can be helped a lot by anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, for example. Okay. Um, so that can really make a big difference. And for the pain side of things, taking paracetamol on top of that if the ibuprofen isn't enough. So mm-hmm. you can do lots of things in that way. But a lot of the cases that I see, they see an improvement after 24 hours of using regular warm, hot compresses. Okay. And I think that is key and making sure you're doing it four times a day because like we can all get a bit lazy there like me included and be like oh I'll just do it twice a day like I haven't got time to do it during work or whatever but really trying to get on top of it that is what is going to clear out the contents of the gland itself which is really important good tip I have one last rogue question do you guys remember that Sex in the City episode where that guy says, are you looking at my sty on the date? No. So Carrie goes on a date with this guy <laughs> and he goes, are you looking at my sty? And she's like, what? And like, have you not seen this episode? I don't, it no. sounds familiar. Like when you're saying it, it's sounding familiar, but I can't put a face to the person. Okay. My question is, would you go on a date with a sty? <laughs> my answer is no, I wouldn't. I'd really? cancel it up. Yeah, I'd really? cancel. Oh, if you had a style. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant if the guy had a style. Oh, but no. Like, I'm sorry. oh no. <laughs> I mean, I'd question why he was there as well. But... <laughs> oh, by the way, Lucy, yeah. you know how we did that episode on burns from like heat tools? Oh, yeah. Someone wrote in our Facebook group, what was that cream that Dr. Lucinda recommended? Because oh, a friend of theirs fantasy. had... They'd burnt themselves. It was before their wedding or something. So that episode oh. helped at least one person. 
Yeah, I think they went and got flamazine. So perfect. Yeah, yeah, I love flamazine so much. Like it was funny because very shortly after that episode, I sort of bit myself. Like you know, we're getting stuff out the end of it. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, I wish I had my flamazine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if we can only help one person, we've yeah. done our jobs. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Really happy to hear that. Great. Oh, uh, thanks for joining us again. <laughs> Pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. So Hannah, we had a question on the Facebook group. Someone said, I want to go to a dermal therapist and start getting treatments like LED or laser or peels, but I don't know where to start. And I do tend to get this question quite a bit, which is how the hell do I find a dermal therapist or dermal clinician or skin expert in my area that I can start to see for professional treatments? And I totally get that's like overwhelming. Like remember before you came into beauty, and you were like, I just have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Honestly, beep out the place that I went, but I would go there <laughs> and just get one of their like, <laughs> get one of their like super expensive, but they would just literally yeah. like wash your face, do like a manual yeah. like exfoliation and then yeah. s- slap on yeah. a moisturizer. <laughs> Definitely beep out, beep out the place. Yeah. Look, there's a place for those kind of venues for relaxation. Yeah. And you can get a relaxation facial, but if you've got concerns that you really want to start treating Mm. and you want results from that, then having a one-off relaxation facial is not going to achieve that. No. But I also think that a lot of people think that topical products are going to do all of the work and it's often a majority of the two. So when I get asked like, oh, have you got Botox or fillers or whatever? Mm. I've had so many treatments to generate collagen. I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to tell you how many treatments I've had to generate collagen. I don't have any injectables right now, but I probably will have them in the future, but I'm having a lot of other stuff done as well as using skincare. So often people will be like, oh, what skincare are you using? I'm like, that's only a quarter of the story. Mm, (laughs) Have you got all day? Because I could could talk about treatments all day. But let's start by talking about, I guess, the different kind of experts in the industry because it's a little bit unclear to people that aren't in the industry who's the most experienced and who they should be seeing. So you and I usually go to James Vivian for Mm -hmm. any kind of professional treatments. They are all dermal clinicians there. So a dermal clinician's studied a Bachelor of Dermal Science. That's a four-year degree. So it's a science degree. I think they do it at VU. They probably do it somewhere else as well, interstate. But it's quite an extensive degree. You obviously learn a lot about the functions of the skin. You're learning chemistry, biology, in much more detail than you would in a course like I did. So I'm a dermal therapist. I studied an advanced diploma of dermal science. You could get a dermal therapist that's done a graduate diploma. But those courses are shorter. You do still get a lot of information. You do specialize in skin by, I guess, learning about the functions of the skin, conditions of the skin, different kinds of treatments. You do a lot of chemistry and biology, which was a surprise <laughs> to me. I could tell you that much. I was like, oh my God, what is a coefficient of graph? Like, what does that even mean? Oh God. It was quite challenging for someone that does not have a science background. Can you then study further to get your bachelor? I could, yeah. So I would be able to use like my prior learning to take a few subjects off there. I don't have any desire to go and do the further study. But for example, if you wanted to work with plastic surgeons, Mm -hmm. you probably want to do the bachelor. Mm-hmm. So you still can work with plastic surgeons having done the diploma, but you've probably got more experience and more knowledge having done 
The Bachelor. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend. And you'll get a mix of both in high-end clinics. And if you're paying big bucks, you're probably seeing a clinician or a very experienced dermal therapist. And then you've got your facialists or your beauty therapists. And they've often done a diploma of beauty therapy or some other beauty therapy course to be qualified as a beauty therapist and be able to do waxing and lash tinting and all those kind of typical beauty therapy treatments. But then they may have done some ad hoc courses on the side. You know, they might have had a lot of on-the-job learning. They might be working with dermal therapists and dermal clinicians and gaining a lot of experience from them. So it's not super clear who you're going to when you walk into a clinic. So I have some tips to like find the right place for you if you're not in Melbourne or you don't want to go James Vivian's clinic, Mm -hmm. even though we think it's the best ever and I have a great time there. (laughs) Can I also quickly, I actually was watching, do you know, just to take it one step further, Mm. do you know much about like cosmetic people that are cosmetic doctors? Yes, I do. Yeah, because that's not actually a thing, is it? Is it? Like it's not Mm. a degree. The tricky thing with this industry is that it's very unregulated. Yeah. So a cosmetic doctor or a cosmetic surgeon have done their GP. Mm -hmm. So they can be a a GP. They've done their medicine degree, but they haven't gone on to then do plastics. Mm. So if you are seeing a plastic surgeon, that surgeon has a ton more experience. I think it's about seven years. I could be wrong. could be four. I think it's seven years further experience. I think it's 12 years Total. 12 years total. Yeah, yeah. So they then go on to do plastics. So they're much more specialized and you can notice that in the way that they often approach their patients as well. But when I worked for a group of plastic surgeons, that was like their main thing. I'll send you the link. There's a 60 minutes, which if you're looking at doing cause- Yes, a lot of people would have seen that 60 minutes. I know the exact, you don't even have to tell me what it is. Yeah. I only just watched it. I don't know where I've been. I've been under a rock or something. A doctor I used to work for was on there, Uh, on the opposing side. Oh, okay. Anyway, I found that really interesting because I never really thought about that. And then I thought if you Mm. were looking for a cosmetic surgeon, you would really want to do your research like into that. Yes. So you'd want to be looking for a plastic surgeon, even if you're, if you're looking to do something like a abdominoplasty or a tummy tuck, breast augmentation, reduction, a nose job, I would always say go and seek a plastic surgeon's consultation as well. Wait, a cosmetic surgeon can do a nose job? Well, they can do pretty much anything they want. Wow. Okay. So it's very unregulated. And that's the scary thing is that they can perform a lot of procedures, but also the fact that they're often performed in day clinics and they don't necessarily have all of the access to life-saving equipment that you would have in a hospital setting. So it's a little bit scary and you will kind of hear these whispers. You've probably seen it all over TikTok, people that have had complications and stuff like that. It's all very fear-mongering and scary. And look, in a lot of cases, you might see a cosmetic surgeon and be totally fine and have the best outcome ever because they've done 30,000 other boob jobs. But if they are not that experienced and you go and see them, you could potentially get complications and you could get complications seeing a plastic surgeon. I used to see it day in, day out. So mm, very true. That kind of put me off surgery. Very altogether. true. <laughs> but then there's obviously cosmetic physicians and injectors as well. So you can get nurse injectors to mm. being a dermal clinician or dermal therapist. A lot of people would say, oh, so can you do Botox after that? I'm like, no, you have to be a nurse. 
So you do have to have a Mm -hmm. Bachelor of Nursing to perform any kind of injectables. And I've worked with nurse injectors who are way more talented than cosmetic physicians who are doctors and have just decided, Mm. oh, I'm going to do injecting now. So I don't think it's necessarily correlated with like a good result, having someone that is a doctor versus a nurse, but always, always do your research, get recommendations from people. The recommendations I'm going to give you to find a dermal clinician kind of still apply in that setting as well. But the first thing for me is research, stalk their website, stalk their Instagram, like find whatever you possibly can on them. Their website should contain in-depth information about the treatments they offer in clinic. So obviously for SEO purposes, but (laughs) aside from that, you want to be able to access Mm -hmm. the information on the treatments that you're seeking and not just walk in there and go, oh, okay, I don't really know what I'm having today. So I definitely would encourage you to have an idea of what you're actually after, but also just stalking the website and seeing what they do offering clinic. The next thing, which I'm kind of biased because I love our Facebook group, but joining Facebook groups for (laughs) recommendations on therapists or clinicians in your area, obviously word of mouth is a great way to learn about places to go and people that have had really good experiences. So I do definitely recommend that. I just don't encourage taking other people's advice in a medical sense on Facebook groups, please go and seek your own consultation and speak to an expert and don't take someone else's word for it. Ask any experts you know on socials who they recommend. There's a lot of amazing clinicians and experts on Instagram and other social media platforms who may be able to recommend someone for you or might have like highlights saved that have recommendations. Contact the clinic that you're interested in and like actually call them and see what the vibe is over the phone, Mm. ask about the treatments they offer. They should be able to at least give you a brief overview of what those treatments are and who they're suitable for. So at least you're going into your consultation feeling like you're a little bit in the loop about what you're going to be talking about. And obviously make sure that they do offer a consultation. I really don't recommend places that just get you straight in. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to do this for you today because that's what you've booked always have a consultation. Mm. If they're just, oh, you've booked a peel, so we're going to do a peel, like that may not be suitable for your skin. Or you may have been on Rakatane three months ago and you're not suitable to have that peel. So it's really important to have that consultation. And if you aren't getting consultation, you might have chosen the wrong place because some of them can be, and you're probably going to get an inkling of what I'm kind of referring to here as like an assembly line. Some of these places you might find in Mm. a shopping center, for example, very much assembly line. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just be very careful if you're seeking skin treatments from these places where laser burns or chemical burns are a side effect because it can be really, really dangerous. And then the last thing I was going to say is to look up articles and you'll often find experienced dermal clinicians or therapists giving comments in articles. So whether it be, you know, on Beauty IQ for Adore Beauty or L mm. or Women's Health, whatever it is, they've probably contributed with comments. So you could also find a very experienced person that way. Any tips from you, Hannah, that you would throw out there? Anything I'm missing, do you think? So I would say more the thing that I get asked, and it's probably not dermal therapist, but more like Mm. an injector. People are so nervous about their first time getting like Botox. And I will usually like, they don't even know me, but they'll reach out to me knowing that that I've had it and spoken about getting it and will like ask 
about somewhere in the area. So I actually think if you know someone that's had a good experience and they've got like nice skin or you like the way that their skin looks, I would definitely ask them Mm -hmm. where they go and get like their honest recommendation on where to go. That's always like the best way, I think. And trust me, if you're seeing a a great injector in that setting, they will make you feel relaxed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to go forward with that treatment feeling like you don't know the full picture. They'll make sure that there's a thorough consultation, that you're feeling relaxed, that you're aware of what the outcome is going to be and that you're both aligned in how you're going to look afterwards or what you're trying to achieve. The other thing that I actually did was when I had the under eye, like, because under eye is like quite dangerous and I had Mm. filler that I needed to get dissolved under there. I actually went on YouTube and was watching videos from two injectors from Australia and Mobin is one of them. And they were talking about like the pros and cons of filler and they were very honest, like super honest. And I felt that the honesty made me feel like, oh, and Mobin does dissolving. So he actually does like revision. So I really felt the level of experience and like the research that he'd done, I just felt like more at ease knowing that he really knows about the structure of the face. I know that's about injectables, but I did like a lot of research on YouTube on the specific treatment that I wanted to get and any like complications that might happen. And often with that experience comes a price tag and I just, anything to do with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Don't skimp on price. Don't walk past somewhere and go, oh, it's on special. It is not worth paying less for a subpar result. Trust me. Yeah. If you can go to someone more experienced and pay more, save up a little bit more to go and see them. Don't skimp on it. That's probably the biggest lesson that I can give you because you'll end up paying a lot more in having everything reversed or having ongoing treatment to resolve a burn or something like that. So yeah, just be very careful. But in terms of not knowing where to start with what treatments are suitable for you, that's where the consultation comes in. And if you're going to an experienced dermal clinician or therapist, they're going to do the whole consultation with you. They'll chat about what your concerns are, what you want to achieve, and then be able to recommend what's suitable for you. And they'll probably explain it really well so that you understand exactly what that machine or treatment or whatever it is, is going to do. I think the consultation is arguably the most important part. And look, a once-off treatment every three months isn't going to make you look like J-Lo, but your topical products at home are very important in the whole puzzle piece. That was all really good advice. Head to our Facebook group if you are absolutely stuck and looking for someone because everyone in our Facebook group would be beauty junkies. And would have gone to see someone. So if you're in an area where you're struggling to find someone that's appropriate, definitely put it out there on the Facebook group. There's probably someone else from your area that has found somewhere. So yeah, definitely get advice from the Facebook group for sure. So I actually have an update because I had all those breakouts on my arm and my neck. How's it all going? So I took myself down to Boots Mm -hmm. down the street and I found it is the La Roche-Posay Effaclar Micro Peeling Cleanser. So basically it is a gel cleanser and it's for breakouts, blemishes and blackheads. Now I have the big boy, so I've got the... 400 mil, but we have the 200 mil on the website. No worries to say big boys at Adore Beauty, unfortunately. Maybe we could look into that. So basically I chose it because it's formulated with 2% of salicylic acid. It's also Mm. got 
LHA, derivatives of salicylic acid. It's got zinc, which helps regulate oil production. And it's got their like signature thermal spring water. And it has worked. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, I really am a dermal therapist. (laughs) (laughs) No, it really worked. Basically, I would come back from my run and I would get straight in the shower and then I would wash my arms and my neck and my face actually with it. And I'd leave it like particularly on my arms, I'd leave it on. It hasn't fully cleared up, but instead of it being like, it was really bad at one point. And I was like, oh, this, I hate this. What am I going to do about my arms? But it's very minor now. You can probably see. Like, I can't even see really, anything. They look oh, very tired yeah. though. Oh, thank you. Mm. <laughs> so it honestly really, really did work. But it must be that 2% salicylic acid yeah, that for helps sure. to clean out the wall of the pore. Yeah, it's going to help to regulate oil production and clear out any congestion. And I have been using it on my face as well because I have had breakouts, particularly like around the bottom part of my face and my neck has been awful and it's helped to clear Mm. that up too. I meant to ask you last time, any changes to your birth control? Did you go back on the pill yeah. when you got over there? No, I'm on birth control, but I, I was on birth control before and no problems. Yeah, I'm just wondering if like the hormonal change plus the weather, like it just Maybe. might be the perfect plus storm. Plus the weather, a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Mm. But I am in remission, yeah. so <laughs> awesome. very happy about right. that. Love that for you. I really recommend it. And it's not too pricey. It's $31.95 So, yeah. and it's really effective. So highly recommend that one. Great. Great option. What's yours? Yeah, another reco mm. actually on the more expensive scale. I gave a friend of mine the Dermalist Ultra Hydrating Lactic mm-hmm. Cleanser, and I love that for more sensitive skins. It's got a little bit of grit in it, but nothing too hectic. So if you've got a more sensitive skin type like me, it's fine. But she had quite a bit of acne, and she started using that with no nothing else, no other changes to her routine. And she was like, oh, it really worked Mm. for me. Like I haven't had any breakouts. So she saw really good results from just putting that into her routine. So if you are breakout prone and looking for something that may work for you, I can definitely recommend that for more breakout prone skin too. She's apprehensive about the price (laughs) tag because I think that's about 70 bucks. So maybe I'll tell her to try the La Roche in the meantime. The only thing I'll say is that the micro peeling name actually scared me a little bit. Yes. I've been using it on my face and it's fine. Maybe that means something else in French. Well, no, 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 no. That's the <laughs> micro peeling. I know it's in English, but they might've translated it from French into something that sounds a bit scary in English. Yeah. Your face doesn't mm. peel. I can tell you that much. It's not like yeah. a peel. So don't be put off by that. Anyway, what's yours, Joe? So mine's actually a TikTok famous product. Oh. I was using L'Oreal Paris Telescopic and obsessed with it, but I was getting to that three-month mark of mm-hmm. having it open and it was starting to get a little bit like, you know, when it just doesn't look great on your lashes anymore, you start to, start to get a bit flaky. So I was like, it's definitely coming to the end of its life. So chucked that out and I grabbed the Lash Sensational Sky High Mascara, which is a Maybelline one. You've probably seen it all over TikTok. It like went through this full viral phase, probably about Mm -hmm. a year ago, maybe a bit longer. But I'm usually really fussy with the lash wands. Mm -hmm. Is that what they're called? Lash wands? Mm -hmm. Is there a better word for that? Brush? I don't know. Anyway, the part that puts the mascara on your lashes. And I normally like those thick, like bristly brushes. I hate the plastic Mm -hmm. ones. So do I. And I never, like, I've never really loved a mascara that has the plasticky brush. But then the telescopic Mm -hmm. changed my mind. So when I opened this and I saw the plastic brush, I was like, 
ah, it should be okay. Like, let's give it a whirl. And I am overdue for a lash lift. So my lashes are just they're straight, sparse, boring selves. And even when I curl my lashes with a lash curler, they just don't look as good as they do when I've had a lash lift. So I'm looking forward to actually trying this when I've had a lash lift because I feel like it's going to look even better. But even when my lashes weren't looking their best, this made them look really good. It was thickening. I felt like it was lengthening as well. And the little brush is really flexible. You can really get in there with Mm -hmm. like into those smaller lashes in the corner Mm -hmm. of your eye. I'm assuming the price point's right. It's maybe $24. Yeah, $24.95. Maybe I need to head up to Boots and get myself some. I think you should. Yeah. Or try the telescopic either. Both of them are really, really good. And I love L'Oreal Paris and Maybelline for mascaras because if you are spending big bucks on mascara, you don't want to throw it out every Mm. three months. You like hold on to it for a year because you're like, oh, it cost me 80 bucks. But like if it was $25, when it starts to get a bit crusty, like, oh, yeah, I can part with this and get mm. a new one. So I think it just encourages better eye hygiene, in my opinion. And they do some great mascaras. I really do think that these brands kind of specialize in doing mascaras. So that is my product and no I need it. So there's one TikTok product that's gone viral that yeah. gets the tick of approval. Yeah, there's probably others that I don't yeah. know. But the Elf Putty Primer is quite popular on TikTok as well, and I rate that. Ah, oh, yeah. okay. So there's maybe we should do... Some content Good old on that. TikTok, yeah. yeah. There's just there's always products we don't stock, and then I'm like, oh, I probably can't do a whole segment mm. about that. The door okay. probably won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I was saying recently that my hair's been falling out. You know when we spoke to Kay yes. about hair loss after COVID, my hair is still falling out from coming off the pill. So I went off the pill nearly six months mm. ago, and I'm still losing the most hair I've ever lost. And now I just don't know if this is my new normal. (laughs) Like, is this how much hair I was meant to lose that I just hadn't been losing while I was on the pill? How long has it been now? Six months. That's a long time. Your hair still does look quite luscious. But it didn't start falling out until maybe two months in. Okay. So it's not that I'm like, I don't feel my hair seems thinner, but I'm just losing a lot more hair than I'm used to. So on my bathroom floor... It's just covered in hair all the time. And it never used to be. Oh, but it could be also, it could be the let your hair so long. Because when my hair was long, it's just so much more noticeable. And now that my hair's short, I just Mm. don't notice any hair fall. I think I might have to try a few like density products maybe. I don't know. Okay. Is it feeling like it's thinner? Not really. I'm just noticing all the hair coming out. So I feel like at some point it's going to get to that stage where I'm like, um, my hair used to be a lot thicker than this. But yeah, I mean, I'm using good products. I'm still using Kerastar. So yeah, we'll see how we go. But that was just a little hair update for you because I know that your hair has come back, but (laughs) mine still seems to be in distress. Oh yeah. Mine's not falling out at all anymore. That was a weird period actually. Yeah. Yours looks so thick. (gasps) So clumps and clumps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for mine to go back to normal again. And I do have bacne. I just don't have any acne on my face. From it. Have you had COVID yet? No. No. Hattie and I say this to each other all the time. We're like, are we superhuman? Like, touch wood. What the hell? How the f? Like, I slept next to my boyfriend who had COVID. (laughs) I was kissing him on the mouth. I didn't get it. (laughs) How is that possible? I don't know. It's really like, and I was stressing. This is before I was going to Perth on a holiday. Yeah. And like, the whole thing was organized. I was going with my family. The flights were so expensive. I was like, oh my God, they're going to kill me if I can't go. And so I'm doing like rat tests and stuff 
thinking, is, is it my time? Have I finally been taken down? Not Still not. That's insane to me that you still haven't had it. I don't know anyone that hasn't had it. Yeah. Hattie hasn't either. Crazy. It's just, yeah, I don't know. If you're one of those people that hasn't had, maybe I should do a little poll on the um, Facebook group. Have you had it or have you not? Yeah. But yeah, it's just so, so common now to have had it. So, Mm. all right. See you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. 